welcome everybody to another episode of the On With Shahan podcast. Today, I have an amazing guest. Poctopus, thank you so much for joining. Absolutely. It's a pleasure to be here and uh, your show is great. So it's uh, exciting to jump on and, and chat about Pocket a bit with you. Awesome. So um, we actually share, you may or may not know this, we actually share uh, a lot of similarities in terms of how you and I got into Pocket Network. Um, I was also an advisor to Pocket Network, to Michael, um, as well for the last three years. I understand that you were too. Um, and then recently, similar to you, not making nearly as much as the impact that you're making, which has been amazing. Make sure to follow Poctopus. Um, is um, all of the work that you've been doing in the community has been amazing. I started off working very closely with the team and then now just trying to fill in the gaps in terms of what the community needs. So could you tell me a little bit about first your background before Pocket and then what led you to uh, join as an advisor for Pocket Network? Sure. I, um, you know, I, I spent about 10, 12 years in a corporate technology uh, position, uh, mostly in the healthcare EDI space. I was always bored to hell with it. Uh, and, and I don't play well with others or participate well in corporate structures. Oh yeah. Um, so, you know, my, my bosses were always like 50, 50, they loved the work that I do, but they hated <laughs> how they would constantly have to intervene on a number of fronts. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I, I grew up in a rough environment. No one ever expected that I was going to get into technology. I was a you know convicted felon by 19. Hmm. Uh, and I kind of accidentally lucked my way into tech and, and started to build a career from there. But you know, about 2007, 2008, I was really reaching the end of, of my ability to cope with that. So I started working more in the entrepreneurial space and, and uh, building businesses on the side. Hmm. Uh, over the next, you know, Around like to 2012, 2013, uh, all after the crash, I started to get my feet as an entrepreneur and, and had a, a couple of successes along the way, and then uh, exited from my first company that was not a complete failure uh, in 2015, where I was acquired by a Symphony Agency, a, a digital marketing company that needed technology, and, and we were just good match. We'd worked together before. Hmm. And a little after that, I think it was, you know, late 2016, early 2017, I had met Michael O'Rourke at the Entrepreneur Social Club in St. Pete at a dinner afterwards. And we were talking about what he'd been doing in the space and his vision of this concept of pocket, which was, you know, just a concept at the time. Yep. And, uh, but there was a huge demand for um, contract blockchain development work, uh, especially in the buildup during 2017. A lot of folks were, you know, a little bit ICO mad. And so we had a company together called Nonce Plus, which was just a contract blockchain development agency. We'd write white papers and help build proof of concepts, that sort of thing. Yeah. All of that obviously crashed and burned when crypto winter set in <laughs> that yep. year. Um, and so, you know, we, we closed the doors on it, but Pocket was really starting to get its feet under it at the time. And, and Michael asked me to, you know, come on and start advising more regularly. So I spent about a year in a, a fractional director of marketing role and then about another year in a, a fractional director of operations role after they hired Patrick hmm. and, uh, you know, kind of helped teach the team how to be a business, so to speak, you know, the, just the nuts and bolts of, of the basics of running a business while they were focused on building the product. And then honestly, for about a year and a half or so, I kind of forgot about it. I was distracted by other things. I knew they were working. I would see the communications here and there until I saw the announcement for the incentivized test net followed by the main net launch. And I was like, wow, this is really happening. Yeah. And, uh, you know, as, as it all started to blow up, I started paying more and more attention to it again. And I was 
you know, I was super excited about what they were doing and seeing the numbers. But when it came time for me to go in and start building my first node, I was struggling. There was just no support there at all. It was, uh, I was asking around the, the unofficial telegram and the official telegram and, you know, trying to poke in the discord and there just wasn't much support there at all. The team was busy building in the product and the community itself was a little bit patchwork. There was just no sense of, of it being a cohesive effort to, to drive forward things for new people. Um, so I started trying to become that as I learned things. And that just sort of fast forwarded to here. Yeah. And, and it's been so exciting. I, I had a very similar experience. I came from the traditional software world. I was in business process management, CRM, doing enterprise software sales, selling into more, most of the you know Fortune 500 companies. And that's what got my love to technology, got into crypto, got introduced through Brent Fisher, Rachel Fisher, uh, to the pocket ecosystem. They're amazing people. Got oh yeah, shout Mike. out to Brent and Rachel. Yeah, Brent and Rachel are amazing. Um, and we work very close together as well. Um, and so I got involved in the community similar to you. And, and I really didn't know what to make of it either. To me, it made sense that you would need decentralized infrastructure. But because I'm not technical and I'm not in the weeds of developing things, it was very hard for me to see the vision until it started going. Um, for you, when you explain new onboards and I on like, <laughs> there's like an Armenian mafia of pocket node runners, uh, all my friends, all my family. So if, it, if we ever have any problems, just know that the Armenian community is behind us, <laughs> but, yeah. but for those, uh, that were onboarding, um, new users, sometimes even for myself, as I've done this tons of times now, um, you know, to, at, at a simple way of explaining is. Maybe somebody that just wants to invest, it's a way to say, hey, here's a way to make passive income in the, in the crypto community. But could you kind of explain from a simple perspective and then also a little bit more broadly, don't need to get into the details, kind of why Pocket Network is needed and what it does? Um, you know, people have asked me a hundred times, I think, for give me a one sentence description of, of what Pocket is. And I think for anyone who's familiar in the SaaS space, um, calling pocket cloudflare for blockchain is probably a pretty good descriptor okay. uh, you know if if you've got a network and you're building it out and you need to be able to support read write lookups on that network for your application um you need some way to distribute those calls across a broad network to support a, 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 a large population. One of the biggest complaints that we see all the time, I mean, I've, I've seen multiple tweets recently on, on chains that I won't call out where it's mm. like, oh, the congestion makes it useless. You can't work with it. It's so slow. Mm. Um, that network congestion is the problem that Pocket solves. Mm. Every single time you're opening up a dApp, whether it's your exchange wallet, whether it's DeFi Kingdoms, shout out to the harmony crowd awesome. uh, you know any of those uh lookups that need read data uh, you don't want to have to do a full chain transaction for that and you don't want to have to support those millions and millions of read lookups in your native network you need your native network focused on producing blocks and validating transactions right um, but you know by using pocket network attached to that you offload a lot of what we'd consider the grunt work of blockchain yep no, I think that's a, a great point. And we've seen, you know, other things like in terms of what Pocket is replacing or what Pocket could be a solution for is like Infura, for example. Infura went down a few times. That was a single point of failure. We also saw AWS go down a few times as well. And uh, 
So that's very interesting too. And, and, and you see more and more why this decentralized stack is so important um, for the community because you're building all this great stuff, but it's on top of something that could potentially fail. I mean, what's the point of it all, right? Exactly. And, and I see a lot of people that are like, well, how decentralized is it really if you're still using cloud providers? Mm. But Pocket runs on all the cloud providers. Just from a cloud perspective, that's already a layer of decentralization that most AWS only apps aren't going to have, for instance, you know, DigitalOcean, AWS, all of them falling down at the same time. That's just not likely to happen. So even, even on the cloud side, it's already well decentralized. But then you factor in all the folks who are using uh, big bare metal rental providers like OVH. Uh, you've got uh, people who are just building their own boxes straight up and co-locating them in data centers. You've got people who are building homebrew setups. Hmm. And I've even seen a couple of like Raspberry Pi farms with, <laughs> with supporting nodes in the mix. That's it it kind of really reminds me of like a pirate fleet. You yeah. know, it doesn't, there is no standard pirate pocket build, it can be done a variety of ways. And, and we want to see all those ways because that just increases how decentralized it is. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't uh, agree with that more. And I, I think that, you know, I got into the space around 2016, uh, just as an investor, I didn't know anything about anything. I was just buying it because my coworker just kept looking at his Coinbase app, making all this money. I'm like, what the hell are you doing? And he quit his job shortly thereafter. But um, at that time, it certainly wasn't anywhere near mainstream adoption. But as we, I think we're at a new phase um, in crypto right now, where all of these, the different pipes need to be created, such as Pocket. Um, do you, what do you think, you know, from that perspective, what are some like, I don't know, things that you're watching out for and things that need to happen so that we can see more and more adoption in the industry? Well, one of the things that I'm always talking about is, you know, people tend to use pocket when they realize they're in trouble, right? Mm -hmm. It's, you know, uh, oh, I've got congestion. Oh, I'm being overloaded. Oh, I grew too fast. And, and I need a way to deal with the RPC traffic that I'm getting right now. Mm -hmm. Use it from the beginning, build on it, make it an essential part of your infrastructure. Yes. And what I would love to see, I talk about in my blog quite a bit is give me fully decentralized dApps, not dApps, not decentralization in name only, build mm. using a decentralized cloud or a decentralized compute infrastructure from the beginning. Uh, Akash, for instance, is a good example of that. Use a decentralized file store storage, mm. right? You know, all the pieces that you need, there are great Web3 decentralized options out there. Build it that way from the ground up. Is it going to be a little more work? Of course. I mean, the biggest thing that I think a lot of people are still attracted to about AWS, for instance, is how quick and mature that onboarding environment is, right? Because you can easily spin up an AWS app in an afternoon from a, a, a figuring out all of your services perspective. So, you know, for people out there who are building tooling, for instance, that will help recreate some of that ease of spin up, uh, I think that's one of the things that will help drive additional adoption, but really fundamentally architect your app from the beginning to use all decentralized sources. Yep. And you mentioned, you mentioned web three in that, and, and I just want to cover these things. And I know you've probably answered these a lot, but I just want to take this video as a way to kind of like holistically look at this. So when those buzzwords are used we can try to see where Pocket fits in that stack. So we mentioned like decentralized from the get-go, use Pocket, not for resilience, but more from the get-go. So it's part of that Web3 play. What is Web3? Like are NFTs Web3? What are we talking about when we're, when we're thinking Web3? 
I mean, generally, I know that different people may have different guardrails that they set on that definition. But for me, I think that the the simplest and most accurate description of Web3 is collectively owned internet utilities. Um, and that's that's fundamentally what it comes down to. Every Web3 play or every solid Web3 play is made up of hundreds to thousands of node runners who are participating in this network, running standalone instances of this software, and who are benefiting from participating in that network through a piece of the relay action or a piece of the, the compute cycles or whatever the function that's being delivered in, those node runners are all collectively making a single piece of it. And, and I know that there have been a lot of people who have been like, oh, this is, you know, this is turning the internet into something that's pay for play. The internet has always been pay for play for play the yeah. infrastructure is not free internet right. access is not free the question is who are you paying it to hmm. you know would you rather pay twenty five hundred dollars a month to aws for a total stack or would you rather pay say a thousand to fifteen hundred dollars a month spread out across three or four different decentralized web3 providers which is paying hundreds to thousands of individuals like me a little piece of the action every time a cycle or, or a relay goes through that network. And I really think that, you know, this, this, it's a strong movement into not just decentralizing compute, but decentralizing wealth generation in, in general, you know, mm. from a broader perspective, I have heard from so many people, how they have achieved life changing intergenerational wealth from their participation in crypto and specifically in web three, yeah. by letting their computer or server or whatever they have do a little bit of work in serving up, uh, um, you know, compute power or access on these networks. That's, it's something that everyone can participate in. I think that's such a great point. I mean, in terms of everyone getting access uh, to all of these things, everyone being able to play the game with everyone, whether like in pocket, for example, whether you run even, you don't even have to run a full node. You could run a, a partial fractionalized node on pocket pool. You could run one node, you can run 10 nodes, you can run a hundred nodes, a thousand nodes, whatever it is. And everyone can get involved in some ways. And I think what you do more than better than anyone in the community is you can also be a very active community member and figure out some other ways to add. Maybe you become a service provider. Maybe you're a company or a fund that builds um, on this decentralized stack. So there's so many different ways. And when you talked about creating financial freedom for yourself, I mean, once I start started to see how big this could be, I dove in completely. I said, there's nothing else that I could possibly do in my life that has the upside of what this industry can give you, as well as some of the coolest. I mean, there are terrible people in this industry. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of them. But the good people in this industry are some of the, the most amazing people, most intelligent people, most down to earth people. And I think you mentioned a lot of things that I really resonate with is like, I can't stand corporate life and the nine to five, uh, just, I, I, I can't deal with that kind of life. And as I was trying to map out, okay, what do I want to do with the rest of my life? How do I want to spend my time? Why not be a free person doing what I love to do, choose who I want to do with and get as involved as I want to, or don't want to get involved. And I think that's a really cool way to look at life and approach life. And, and I actually think it takes a lot of stress out of your life and you can be more of kind of the person that you are, if that makes sense. 
Absolutely. I mean, you know, when I, when I looked at, I, I did my big entrepreneurial run between 2010 and 2012 or 2020, sorry, that uh, roughly a decade long. And one of the things that I found was ideas that I had would get executed on by other people who had better access to capital, who had better access to the connects that are needed to make it happen, that this whole dream that so many entrepreneurs who are fed about, oh, you'll find an angel investor or something along. No, it's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. All of that is is just bullshit. I hope you don't have to bleep that or whatever, no, but no, no, uh, about it. <laughs> <laughs> there's this whole like pipe dream that gets sold to, to these folks who are trying to get out there and build things. And they're like, oh, I'll go find investment. I'll find this. I'll find that. No, you won't. Unless you're part of established networks, unless you already have those doors in, privilege serves privilege. It's not there for you if you don't have privilege. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the biggest differences about the Web3 space is expertise is rewarded. You can walk into any DAO in the world. It doesn't matter if you're white, black, gay, straight, where you came from, how much money you have. You're a username on the screen. If you're Mm -hmm. contributing value in that DAO, you're going to be rewarded for it. And that provides some real opportunities for people who don't have access to any other entry point in this marketplace. Uh, For anyone that's listening, I would recommend rewinding that back and listening to that. That is so spot on. Um, You know, this is a place where if you work, if you find a way to provide value, people will love to have you in the community. When I saw what you did in terms of growing that Poctopus Telegram channel, by the way, if you, I'll post a link at the bottom. I mean, the, it's unbelievable how that grew. And then what you do so well as well, which I recommend others do is you allow others to be winners too, right? You know, if there's other people in the community, you're like, we're all benefiting from this. So long as people aren't toxic, so long as people aren't giving a bad name, we'll give platforms to whoever we want. You know, I, I'm happy to help anybody within the community because we all have the, the same shared goals in terms of all the stuff we're doing. So I, so I really like that. And, and I want to talk a little about uh, kind of transition a, uh, a little bit into kind of pocket and how both the community and the tokenomics and, and all of that work. So there's a few different components to pocket, right? There are the nodes which help run the network. There are the tokens, and then there's the relays, and there may be a price component as well. Uh, Maybe I'm missing there. Um, uh, But in terms of when we're going to run the different pocket nodes for the network, how do you look at the tokenomics? Like, What are some of the things within pocket where you're like, hey, when I look at the metrics within pocket, here are the things that I look at that I find important, whether that's in a bull market or whether that's in a bear market, kind of like we're in a mini bear market right now uh, that we're in. These are the things that I track. And I think Pocket, um, as opposed to many other crypto networks, cryptocurrencies, is very uniquely positioned for both. But I want you to kind of talk a little bit about that. So, I mean, the, the, the two major components of, of Pocket are the node runners and then the dApps themselves who are mm-hmm. making the requesting relays. And what I, what I found to be really interesting is that despite the fact that we've had almost a parabolic growth from, you know, September, October on through now, um, is that the network has gone up to over 23,000 nodes and while demand for the relays has gone up to the point where we're averaging pretty darn close to 300 million relays a day or or a little more. Um, 
and and it's it's keeping parity. The actual node rewards that are being generated have has stayed very consistent. Mm -hmm. They spent a lot of time working on the tokenomics of of Pocket, so that it, it's really one of the purest supply demand kind of mechanics that I've ever seen. And and part of that is they have a ton of little levers and variables within the 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 network parameters itself that allow them to adjust things. Like one of the things that I see all the time is, man, with all these node runners coming in and all these rewards being generated and the price of pocket going up, then how are dApps going to keep their costs consistent? Well, I mean, the entire the entire economics of the token is geared so that uh, the cost to dApps can be easily adjusted to keep that price consistent. Mm -hmm. Th these are important things that that have to be figured out. And the reason Pocket spent three years building before launching a mainnet was they were answering all these questions internally. And so we look at as you know the uh, inflation itself pocket is a permanently inflationary token but the amount of inflation is the important question right mm. and we're at a place right now where we're seeing nodes earning you know from a network average perspective probably you know 100 to say 120 or so tokens a day um and that's fine, except that when we get to a billion relays a day through the network, which could happen, you know, in as soon as the next four or five months or so, right. uh, depending on adoption, now you get to a place where you're minting so much pocket a day that you're beginning to devalue the currency. And so we've seen the Dow is really aggressively starting to tackle this question of, okay, inflation clearly needs to be managed. We do need some mechanisms in place for that. Um, one of the earliest suggestions that Michael O'Rourke had made was, you know, the tenthening concept where rewards were reduced to one tenth of their current. Mm -hmm. But now we're seeing some solutions that are some proposals out there like PUP11, the WAGME proposal, and uh, PUP12, the, the stopgap proposal, that are seeking to do a more structured step down of that instead of, you know, a, a, a decimation Roman style. Right, right. Um, and, and I think that those are, I, I think it's smart. I mean, and, and smart on two fronts. A, it really shows that the pocket team and the DAO, of, of which I'm also a, a voter and, and participant in the governance, um, these are questions that we take very seriously because Pocket is a long-term platform. We're not talking about a two-year and out play. I mean, hell, they spent four years building it to get it to this place. You know, this is something that's going to be a fundamental structure of what may end up becoming Web4, you know? And so when you're looking at the long view of that and the need to be able to maintain tokenomics through orders of magnitude greater scale than we have now, we need smart conversations about how inflation is managed and, and how to maintain the, the value of the service and the value of the network while maintaining consistent pricing to the users of the network. And, and I, I think we're seeing a lot of great examples of both proposals that seek to address that, but also really, really strong community participation. Mm. Uh, it takes a lot to earn a vote in the DAO because there is a big community service aspect. You can't just buy your way into a vote in the DAO. Right. But anyone who's in the community, anyone who's running nodes, anyone who's interested in the topic can jump into the forum and participate in that conversation and make their voice heard. And I think it makes for really intelligent conversations around it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and uh, I know the DAO is very involved with that topic in particular, something else that's come up. Um, you know, we talked about adoption, you mentioned like a billion relays, potentially, uh, based upon in a few months and six months, who knows, we don't know the number, but that can happen anytime. And, and part of that adoption is another thing that's coming out with pocket that we've been waiting for is W pocket, which I know a lot of people are excited about, and there's going to be a bridge 
And for those of you that don't know, uh, Pocket's its own blockchain. Um, and so in order for it, uh, uh, in order for us to get, let's say, Ethereum adoption, um, one of the ways to do this is to create a wrapped version of Pocket on the Ethereum network um, to bring in some of those Ethereum developers and people within the Ethereum community. Can you talk a little bit about W Pocket and, and kind of how you see that rolling out? Sure. It's... You know, I think WPocket is interesting on a number of fronts. First of all, it does provide uh, a direct connection to ERC-20 powered networks. Mm. And this is important for a few different directions. One of them is the regen farms that are actually outlined in the green paper will allow people who support dApps like DeFi Kingdoms, for instance, to um, stake, buy and stake WPocket in the regen farms and earn relays for the dApps that they support. That's already super cool from a community participation perspective. If I'm a developer who doesn't necessarily have the budget to participate in Pocket, um, if I can form a, a strong enough community around my product that's excited about it, I can offload some of that cost to the community and mm -hmm. they'll earn a yield by staking for me. So this is like, you know, a double dip situation where mm -hmm. everyone wins. But I think the more interesting aspect of this that a lot of us are chewing on is when you connect an EVM compatible layer to the single largest, greatest cross-chain network of blockchain data out there, what does that open up from a, a, a data analysis perspective? Mm -hmm. What does that open up from a, um, a financial, like an entire cryptocurrency financial dashboard perspective? What does that allow for cross-token exchanges, I mean, a, a new generation of DeFi that only needs to connect to one place to, to touch everything. You know, we talk about things like Lightning Network on Bitcoin because they're attempting to solve some of the problems in um, the sort of cumbersome nature of, of big blockchains like Bitcoin. But if you've got a single node point of entry to say a hundred plus blockchains out there, a, the financials get a heck of a lot easier. You've got a, a single token that can cross every single uh, uh, blockchain that's supported on there. But the data stack side of it itself, to be able to see transactional volumes and, and how data is moving through these networks across multiple chains, to be able to see collection services like, you know, Biconomy and Morales that have multiple things going in their environment to see that data coming through as well. And to rapidly track user adoption and, and use cases across hundreds of blockchains. I mean, Pocket is going to be way more than just the backbone infrastructure. Pocket is also going to be the eye into blockchain. Hmm. That's a great point. One time Michael was on a uh, podcast and he described it as um, the United Nations of blockchain or cryptos. And I, I, and, I, and I thought that was so interesting. And then the other way, uh, kind of like as you were talking, I was thinking what also makes Pocket really interesting is I've been part of like uh, you know, communities where it's very toxic, such as the Bitcoin maxis. I used to be one. I'm a recovering Bitcoin maxi. <laughs> uh, but like those kind of communities, for example, you want your team to win and you want everyone else to lose. What I find so interesting about Pocket in particular is we want others to win and we want them to win hard. Because if they're winning hard, that means more transactions on the network, more relays, and everybody wins from that perspective. Have you ever seen anything like that? <laughs> I, I really haven't. And, and, and I take it as a great point of pride that 
I get new people who come into the community all the time and they're like, I have never been in a community as welcoming as this one. And that's that's very important to me. And, and you mentioned earlier, you know, sort of that handoff thing that happens. I've got uh, 14 people now who are mods and admins across various groups that we've set up that have splintered off from the main group. And I'm happy to let them run with that. This isn't the Poctopus show. You know, when I say we are Poctopus and the Poctopus army, right? <laughs> it, it's, this is a concept. This is a culture. And we're all guardians of this culture. And if it was just me, that wouldn't be scalable. It has to be other people who think the same things, who care about the same things, and who are helping drive this forward, you know? Mm -hmm. And so we've got a pricing, a trading channel. Like, that's not really an appropriate conversational topic in some of the main channels. But a lot of people want to talk about, you know, DeFi strategies and things along that line more power to you there's a right. channel for that and and we've got other people who are carrying all this forward and then our you know OTC desks and exchanges we've always supported them all we've limited how much advertising they're allowed to do within our channels because mm -hmm. that just becomes really spammy really quickly but when they're contributing tooling and and support to the greater community at large that's their way to come into the channel and be like hey I just built this thing it's super cool you know mm -hmm. Thunderbot came out and that was like changed. It changed so much in trading because it provided an automated way for people to acquire pocket and OTC and Stardesk uh, started offering the ability to sell stake nodes to transfer from one person to another. That was extraordinary. And that gave them the chance to come into those channels and talk about that. So when you've got an environment where it's totally cool to be a vendor and to be in this space and to be making money on it, but it has to be something that's really, truly contributing to the community to be sort of allowed in to participate in the community channels. They've got to deliver something we really want in order to market to those channels. And right. I think that's a great symbiosis. If your vendors have to work for their access, <laughs> then they will. Yeah. Yeah. And that's another, just a great point. And then in terms of like, I've even seen that with other like crypto protocols coming in, like Harmony is a great example of this. I saw um, Harmony at Decentral Miami. Um, there's a guy, I believe his name was Jack and he came up to me, I had a pocket shirt on. He's like, Hey man, I love pocket. Uh, and, uh, he's like, I love pocket. I was like, I'm sorry, who are you again? And he's like, Oh, I'm from harmony. I was like, I love you, man. You made me so much money. <laughs> like once you guys are on board, but it's like, and then he came onto the community and just started introducing me to all these different people at the conference. And it's like, I haven't even met this person. I just had a pocket shirt on. And here we are talking, we're providing each other value, we're telling each other about restaurants, you know, in the area where we're going to go networking, all those different things. And uh, to your point, it just like, there's such an alignment, you know, I, I'm, I'm from sales, right? So sometimes the best sale is like, when, when both sides win, and there's mutual alignment on both sides, and somebody doesn't feel like they were fooled, or they were sold for that, for that matter. If you've done your work in showing the value of how this will work, and there is a fit within your organization, or whatever you're going to use this for, this should be a huge win. And, and I've seen very much that pocket is not a very difficult sale, if you're able to provide the right messaging. Um, and to that point, um, do you like, I know there's going to be potentially other developers or other communities from other crypto networks listening into this podcast. What could they do if they wanted to get connected into pocket and potentially run within the pocket infrastructure? 
I mean, it's, you know, I, I think that the symbiosis that exists between some of these chains is a great model for, to, to answer that question. I mean, we saw how much traffic Harmony was sending across the pocket network. So I started participating in like the Harmony DAO Twitter uh, spaces mm -hmm. and such, you know, I was like, right. I want to know who these people are. Right. And the more I sat in and heard those conversations, the more I saw how it seems like the Harmony One family shares a lot of the same values that we hold dear in, in uh, the pocket community by being uplifting and supporting and and you know um, there's there's a great sense of of uh, community just in general you know that we're all in this together and and they welcome me in a, a ton like I, I've got a ton of folks who are like harmony validators who follow me on Twitter and such and I follow them as well and like that's amazing that's that's such a, a great uh, symbiosis and all of the best tooling, and, and I love you guys on the core team, but you tend to be pretty nuts and bolts. All of the, all of the best tooling around the Pocket ecosystem has been built by community members. I mean, Pocket Scan, Pocket Watch, uh, um, you know, uh, uh, Thunderbot. I mean, just all this cool stuff that gets built up around it um, has been built by people who are part of the community. And in doing so, it earns them rep not in the old school forum plus one rep way, but like you made a substantive contribution that now thousands of people are using. Right. And, and those people think of this as just being part of pocket. They don't even necessarily think of it as, you know, being written by Pierre. They think of, or Jorge, that it's like, oh, this is just part of how you do pocket. Right. All that stuff was created by community members. And, and I think for any developer, to create tooling around a product that becomes a de facto standard in using that product, even if your name's not out in front and center on it, there's a sense of, of pride of ownership and pride of creatorship that comes from that, um, that, that is meaningful. But also, if it's a service that allows you to, you know, uh, do some transactions and make a little money along the way, well, you know, big wins. So if you're a developer that wants to get in there and contribute something meaningful to that and, and you want to chip a piece off the top, Hey, we're happy to have you just make sure that it's something that really contributes in that big meaningful way we've seen some providers of of certain kinds of services who have tried to you know sort of stealth their way into unaffiliated business relationships with the mm -hmm. network uh and take advantage of their users and such and that generally doesn't work out well and the whole community will very very quickly blacklist you if we see that kind of thing Right. Yeah. And, and I like how the community comes together for that and make sure to communicate so nobody's hurt in that process. To that point, you mentioned, I think, like 12 people that are like working with you and potentially more in the future. Um, you know, you're a great kind of spark in terms of getting people motivated and excited. Um, and you probably see some gaps from your perspective in terms of maybe some potential areas. Are there some areas that just Maybe you don't, we, you can't think of it now and we could discuss it another time, but are there some gaps that for those that are listening, they, you're like, hey, we really need this and this, and I wish we had this. Are there things that come to mind? Well, I, I think that there's probably never going to be enough people working on um, ease of onboarding for node runners, developers, users of the product. I mean, one of the things that we've seen as, as Pocket's gone out there and, and gotten a lot more popular, and especially as it achieves some exchange listings, uh, is that you get a lot of people in who are, you know, I don't want to say day traders, but, you know, speculative types who try and just snatch a little token and maybe make a quick sale and turn it around and, and, they bring a certain energy to the environment that isn't really 
like in keeping with with some of the the community standards and and the mission and vision of of the project at large right we really want to appeal to the developers to the node runners to the infra folks to you know to the people who are going to use it for its intended purpose to build on and create with and so more channels for this is how i use pocket Right. I mean, and that's a great one. If you've built something on Pocket, talk about it, share mm. it, you know, mm. um, and uh, easier ways to onboard people across all those things. We have a, a Telegram group called Pocket Pilots, and it's just specifically for um, people who are building their own bare metal setups, uh, nodes, running Node Pilot. A great concept, right? Because NodePilot is a great tool. If you're not a super sys admin CLI type, NodePilot makes it fairly easy to get a, a pocket node installed and up and running. But of course, you still need to meet certain hardware requirements and you've got 100 questions about how you're building your node and all the rest of that. So here's a group that's dedicated to just that people building bare metal setups running NodePilot. It's so niche and yet it's so necessary because mm. there is like a, a big, strong group of people who are doing that. Uh, and I think that we need that across a lot of fronts. I would love to see, and I would throw a significant amount of support behind uh, a group that was focused on building dApps from the ground up using Pocket as their sole infrastructure source. Yes. Your, your RPCs baked in 100% Pocket Network. If you're putting that together, if you've got that group, let me know, reach out on Twitter because I will absolutely blow your group up. I mean, those kinds of things are super important. But then, you know, maybe some basic explainers along the way. And, and, and some people, you know, I don't want to go too far in that direction. A lot of folks have been like, tell me how to sell Pocket to my grandfather. And I'm like, well, is your grandfather a developer? Because if not, I don't want to go throw some money in Bitcoin or something, you know, right. we're not looking for speculative retail investors pocket has plenty of liquidity flowing through it that's not an issue, you know. Mm -hmm. And what we do need is more people who understand the promise of the underlying product. And for that, I would love to see a hundred Poctopus dens spring up that are all focused on developers and creators. Yeah, um, that's a great point. And then how do we reach out to you on Twitter? What, what's your uh, Twitter handle? At the Poctopus, P-O-K-T-O-P-U-S. Yes, and I'll make sure to put that in a link uh, below as well. So as, as to kind of wrap uh, things up and... I mean, there's just so much information here. We'll have to have you on again. But uh, when you think about um, the future of Pocket, um, let's let's go out two years, three years, and maybe that's too hard to think out. So maybe 12 months, whatever you'd like to look at it as. But as you look at the future of Pocket, how do you see this evolving? Like, where do you see, do you see Pocket like taking over as well of the traditional SaaS world as well? Do you see us going in that direction too? Like, how do you see this all unfolding? Well, if you think about this, you know, Michael O'Rourke has described multiple times his vision of, of Pocket Network being the TCP IP of blockchain. Mm. And for the non-internet infrastructure nerds out there, TCP IP is the protocol that fundamentally connects every single computer and server in the internet. Uh, and so when you think about Pocket from that perspective, it's almost counterintuitive because if Pocket achieves those goals, it will start to become invisible. 
but that's really the ideal, right? Mm -hmm. That it starts to fade into this into the background. It's this underlying infrastructure that everybody builds on and nobody even talks about. <laughs> you know, yeah. TCP/IP is being used in everything that we do on the internet every day, but no one's like, "Hey, how's my TCP/IP doing?" You know. Right. Uh, and so long term, that's there's this vision where it just sort of blends in, where it's it's so commonly used for infrastructure that it's not even thought about in a standalone fashion. If you ask an admin, they're going to be like, oh, yeah, TCP IP or oh, yeah, pocket. Mm -hmm. But, you know, not thought of in the same sort of uh, um, ways that it is now. Short term, you know, in the next 12 to 18 to 24 months, I think that, you know, if everything is on track, we're going to see that first break into six figures of, of nodes on the network. I'm, I'm saving aside a bottle of uh, sparkling white just for that occasion. Awesome. Um, you know, I, I, and seeing 100,000 nodes, I think is going to be amazing. And I'm pretty <laughs> confident it's going to happen before the end of this year. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that kind of growth, I think will be awesome. Um, I think as as the the network grows uh, in its entirety, that we'll probably see U Pocket, which you know all the Cosmos uh, chains have that U token mm. as the base denomination. Which, by the way, all you TA guys who are like, "Oh my God, this thing has quadrillions of tokens," read up on Cosmos and please <laughs> understand what the hell you're talking about. Um, you know, starting to see U Pocket maybe as a denomination that's uh, that's being used for. Uh, relays and such commonly because the token growth has grown to such a degree and the price per relay has dropped enough. Uh, I mean, I, those are the kinds of things that I see in the next 12 to 18 months, significant growth across the network, billions of relays a day as major chains fully adopt Pocket into their infrastructure. Uh, you know, Algorand and Evmos uh, going live soon, I think is going to be our first taste of seeing some additional harmony size chains and, and more and really showing the promise of what this can do. And we haven't even started to test the capacity of the throughput in the network yet. I would love to see some real tests of that. Send mm -hmm. us those relays, see how well we can do. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thank you so much, Pactibus. So I, what I want to know is you mentioned your Twitter handle. Uh, okay, tell me all the other channels that we can follow you. I'll make sure to put the link, but just so they can know. Um, the Pactibus Den is the original core group on Telegram, although it's uh, gotten a lot bigger these days, so maybe not quite as small and intimate as it used to be. Mm -hmm. That's definitely a good one uh, to be a part of. Um, I'm, I'm pingable in the official Pocket Discord, Discord so you can reach me there as well. Um, but Twitter probably is the easiest and most common way. And I will drop to your audience, not mentioned yet previously, that okay. I'm likely going to be spinning up the Poctopus Discord sometime soon. So All we'll right. start accepting uh, entrance there. That's breaking news. The Poctopus Discord channel. And uh, when that is, that is up and live, I'll make sure to update this again and make sure that's there. Uh, I want to thank you so much uh, for your time. This was unbelievably uh, a, a productive conversation. I've learned so much kind of we have so much in common, but you have so much knowledge that I just love talking to someone from the community. And uh, the next time I'm in Tampa, uh, I promise to buy you drinks since we didn't get a, a chance to talk last time. Outstanding. I appreciate it. I'll keep All an right. eye out for you.